Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show. Hi, I'm Paul, and I'll be your host this evening. Um, and... Uh, Sorry, folks, but uh, one of the rules I've had during these shows is not to eat because someone complained the other day. But um, unfortunately, folks, you can probably see. There you go. Got lots of pizza left and my dinner hasn't been eaten. So um, I might be having a bit of a chew during the show tonight just to try and keep myself going. Sorry, folks, but uh, yeah, I've, been, I've had a bit of a head cold um, and been trying to get as much sleep as possible and didn't time my alarm clock properly to get my dinner eaten before the show. So sorry about that, folks. We've also got the old, old hot lemon and honey going. In a couple of days without beers, I mean, this is a this, it, it tell you it's taking a, it's taking the toll on the old system there. Um, joining me this evening um, is uh, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Uh, very good, thank you, Paul. I was going to say I won't be too critical. Uh, sees the guy who's just scoffed uh, two home homemade shortbread <laughs> in a in a in a, in a uh, record time. Must be some sort of record for two uh, chunky shortbread in the space of a minute, Paul. Don't worry, I managed to, I managed to keep you off screen while you were doing that to to keep your well, professionalism um, up, up up there. Me, hey, we know I'm 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 just a press the button and go and and give 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 this just give it a go kind of go. You you your preparation and uh, professionalism, um, which is a bit a bit different from my style, um, which is why we, yeah why we complement each other, I believe. Um, yeah, I was going to say, but it's um, uh, nonetheless, it's always a privilege and a pleasure to be on the uh, TDM pool. So had to get that in. Thank you very much. Um, so topics for tonight: Rugby World Cup. Yes. Um, it might still be a couple of years away, um, but uh, there's news around that as to how long it will take and how many players will be allowed. Um, also, um, we've got some Six Nations news, because whilst I've only got a head cold, a number of the French players have uh, got themselves COVID, so they've got a little bit worse uh, worse off than I am. Um, uh, and then, um, obviously, Super Rugby news. Um, we've got um, some uh, last-minute signings uh, as... Um, some trans, some uh, broadcasting news um, as uh, um, as as well. So all of that to bring you during the show. Uh, good evening to those of you joining us live. Um, hi Simon. Hi Nocturnal Rights. Um, they're watching on YouTube, but you can also watch us on Facebook and Twitter live. Or the recordings are available afterwards. And also, I'll be putting the, the audio up as a podcast as well. If you uh, want to avoid looking at our lovely faces. 
I can't understand. I, I don't understand why you'd want to do that, hey, Steve? Yeah, um, no. <laughs> as he adjusts the light. As he adjusts the light, yeah. <laughs> so, um, on to that Rugby World Cup news. Let's start there, I think. Uh, they're talking about extending the Rugby World Cup by one more week um, so that all teams have at least a five-day turnaround between games. That can only be a good thing from the tournament's point of view and from the Tier 2 teams in particular's point of view um, as they've had short turnarounds in the past. Um, so, yeah, you've got to say that that's from that point of view, um, it's it's, it's got to be um, a good move by, by World Rugby. Oh, listen! It's it's only fair. I know we all always know when you when you're looking at a a group of sixteen or group of group of twenty. There's you know usually a couple of teams that normally stand out, and you'd you'd pick them probably to go through to the to the next round. And you know for the minnows, they've pretty much got to cram all those games virtually into the first two weeks or so. Poor fourteen fourteen games. You know, in some cases they're playing four games and. 14 days, which is a which is a bit much to ask. And I'll, I'll tell you what, the other thing that probably annoys a lot of people for some of these minnow teams, they they know they can probably lift for maybe one or two big games where they feel they're a chance, they're an opportunity. But when they're, you find that when they come up against some of the the bigger nations, they tend to put a second string side out, which is what we've seen. So hopefully, we'll probably shy away from uh, from seeing that moving forward, just with the opportunity to to rest their better quality players before the bigger matches. And uh, joining us this evening is also Boa. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. Uh, apologies for a slight but fashionably late entrance. I had some uh, commitments at Monaco Rowers, just had to rush back and forth. But uh, no, great to be uh, on air and hope everyone is well. Hope everyone's safe and uh, um, us Aucklanders, are we in level one now or are we yes. level two yet? I've lost yes, track of it. You're still in level one, but it's all, uh, yes, um, uh, contact tracing is managing the situation at the moment. So as long as it's uh, the contact tracing um, oh. remains robust, we'll be all good. But anyway, uh, we'll not head down that one, as I can see. We'll probably have different opinions uh, oh. and cause all sorts of uproar. I, uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, gentlemen, My I've noticed the, the battery on my phone <laughs> runs out a lot quicker these days because you're constantly scanning apps. Uh, sorry, the, the the QR code. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we all need new new uh, new batteries. So yeah, we all need a tax break on uh, on mobile phones. Uh, is 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 the answer? So there we go. Labour, please give us a tax break on mobile phones, and then we can all uh, all have brand new phones with with, with nice strong batteries. Um, the so yes, talk about the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, the five day turnaround thing is is good. Um, but um, I'm along with nocturnal rights, increasing the squad size by two extra players. I'm I'm not for that one to be honest with you. I think that just helps out teams like England, New Zealand, um, South Africa that have got the extra player depth. Whereas those um, tier two nations, uh, I don't think it's going to help them having extra an extra two players in the squads um, at all. And I think it just allows basically the the the, the big nate the well the, the the sort of some of the bigger nations to rate basically around probably France as well to basically run two squads in parallel uh and so yes yeah, so me longest tournament um I, I like the idea of extra players i'm not a fan of boys your opinions on the two extra players into the uh, world cup squads yeah look uh i think it's about 12 weeks uh no sorry about eight to ten weeks ago we had the same conversation i i actually made suggestion that the game day squads 
need to be expanded by up to 25 players. But Paul, I see your point because bigger these squads get, it means that you can have a couple of better players and it will definitely advantage and skew it in the favour of the Tier 1 nations. But I think it's something... Uh, they just need to get a bit more creative. Maybe they have a handicapping system where some of the uh, lesser-ranked teams can actually have a wider squad and they actually have an advantage of having more players as opposed to the top-ranked teams. That's something perhaps worth looking at. Stephen, I see you're nodding. Yeah, boy, you're, you're a genius, mate, because uh, you're obviously <laughs> a mind reader as well. I was thinking exactly the same thing. How about we cut a bit of sleep for the uh, Tier 2 nations? So, yeah, they can extend their squads because we all know they probably, a lot of the smaller smaller um, countries don't have that same sort of depth. So to have a couple of extra players on tour would be huge for them. I don't see why the Tier 1 nations um, should have an extra couple of squad members. They've got all the cards stacked in their favours. Most of the top tier nations, all their players play in fully professional competition. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's, give, let's give a bit of love back to the tier two guys. Yeah, I, so I mean, tier two guys struggle to get the players released already. To get the player released just to sit on the bench for um, for six weeks or however long or however long it is with with warm ups etc. I think they would find even harder. So well, we'll Gee, see. Paul, you know um, how to spoil a good story, brother. Jesus. <laughs> I don't worry. I'm going, spoil, I'm, going, I'm going to spoil another good story as well because this wouldn't be rugby if this is all had been all done properly, um, had gone nice and smoothly, and had been all organised. But no. Um, so the reason for this change appears to be that um, World Rugby has talked to the players' associations. Fantastic. Well done. At last, the players being listened to. Unfortunately, what then World Rugby has gone and done is said, hey, this is um, a consultation, so I'll reach out to the unions and consult, and then two days later, we'll announce it as happening. And you're like, whoa, slow down, cowboy. If you're going to consult, actually consult. <laughs> and funny, unsurprisingly, uh, a number of unions, uh, and particularly the clubs in the Northern Hemisphere, have kicked up a stink saying, hang on a second, we need to consult and see what the impact of this is. Um, so yes, World Rugby, um, one step forward, uh, a couple to the side, one backwards and uh, shooting itself in the foot, <laughs> as usual. You know, well, at, at best of times, World Rugby, you know, they have some very confusing systems and processes in place. I mean, on, on, on paper, it looks great. On a PowerPoint presentation, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, and on social media, there's little snippets they show on uh, Facebook teasers and trailers. It's fantastic. But the reality is once they put it into action, because so many different people, depending on the geographic location and depending on the political support and jockeying they have, they either take forever or they rush it through at lightning warp speed uh, that everything sort of gets lost in transit or permanently gets lost. So I think this is just, just another case. It's very, very frustrating. And uh, I think it's it's really important that all key stakeholders, and if they actually say that they're going to make have a consultation, have a proper thorough consultation, and actually look at the facts. Don't you know? It's a good old story. Let's get let's get a good story in the way of the facts, and let's kind of rush it through. I think that's what's actually happened here. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm not, I'm not sure there's much more we can we we we, we could go round and round in circles talking about this for another twenty minutes, but um, let, let's move on. Six Nations then gets back into action this weekend, or does it? Um, well, <laughs> France, unfortunately, um, had five positive cases, which meant that they had to remove those players 
from their matchday squad. Um, can, um, follow-up testing showed that five more of the players that they had included in their wider matchday squad had also picked up COVID. So that's 10 players who have picked up COVID um, and been tested positive for France. Um, the Six Nations say that on Wednesday evening, so that'll be, what, Thursday morning our time probably, they will tell us what they're going to do about this. But um, uh, look, it, surely they have to postpone for a week um, at the very least. I can't. I just, I just can't see how Scotland versus France can go ahead this weekend. I, I, I agree with you, Paul. Um, the other issue, of course, they were having some of the players, some of the clubs were failing to release some of the players anyway. So it was going to be a, a French team, even without the guys who have been pulled out through COVID wasn't going to be their top squad anyway. But I'm saying that the French have shown they've got a, a really good group of, uh, of players, you know, or they've got real depth, should I say. So if it did go ahead, you know what? You'd, you'd probably almost make Scotland favourites if they don't have too many changes. But I'm saying that, you know, it, it would be interesting to see what sort of team the French would put on the paddock. Yeah, well, I think well, I think what, what France actually did was they, they chose their 30-odd man squad, 35, I think it was, um, or 36, uh, 30, something like that, man squad at the beginning of the tournament and said, OK, if you're not available for the first game, you're not available at all and we'll put a bubble around it, which is why those other players aren't available. Um, and so rather than having players coming in and out of the bubble, which would have been difficult to manage. So I get, I understand why France decided certain players weren't going to be available. Um, so um, so the, the only problem then for Scotland is that they have been releasing their players back to their clubs during the week, during the, the fallow weeks as World Rugby doesn't uh, doesn't um, the World Rugby laws say that uh, they don't have to be released to Scotland. So the French and the English clubs don't release them. So if you delay a week, take it outside of an international window, will Scotland have their players available? Um, and so we come up. So um, I, I can understand that there's that some sort of they need a window to do some sort of discussion around that kind of stuff. Uh, so that if they do announce it's going to be delayed a week, they actually have crossed all the I's and dotted all the T's um, beforehand and actually got it and made sure that all the players are available for Scotland um, as well. So, uh, but that, that'll be, that'll be my, my guess would be that France, Scotland will get um, delayed. But as, um, uh, as Simon says, uh, Italy versus Ireland and uh, Wales versus England should be going ahead unless there are more cases that um, get reported, would be my guess. Uh, any other insights or thoughts, boys? Well, I, I was reading a, a press release from the Scottish Rugby Union, which actually came out a couple of hours ago, uh, they're actually quite hellbent on trying to see this game happen this weekend. And they've in fact stated that they will continue their preparations as if the game was going to go ahead this weekend. Uh, I, I, I think the situation is quite insane. I mean, with all these players testing positive left, right and centre, you know, the, the, the only game I can actually see happening is you know probably a virtual game of Six Nations Rugby on PS4, or, you know, Xbox or whatever they call it. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, the, the, the risk is, you know, tremendous. Uh, but at the same time, Paul, as you rightly alluded to with Scotland's situation and the contractual obligations some of their players have, they, they might be uh, critically disadvantaged if the game is pushed back one week. So I can see their point of view. But the reality is if you have, you know, so many players testing positive, I mean, Surely, from from an opposition point of view, you'd want your players to be safe as well. So, it's it's. I think the risk is just it's it's too big a risk. And uh, World Rugby and Six Nations need to sort of jump on this and be a little bit more responsible. 
Yeah, and look, we, they, they might be being. We'll, 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 we'll wait and see what they actually say. Uh, and uh, and as I say, potentially waiting those couple of times for uh, waiting those couple of days before making an announcement isn't necessarily a bad thing, folks. You don't have to always have the answers straight away. Um, but let's hope that they don't. Um, uh, they they. Let's hope, yeah, let's hope they, they make a sensible decision. Uh, good evening, Batman, who's also joined us as well. Um, there uh, been a long, been a while since we've had you on the channel uh, watching. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, so that's uh, that's that's most of. Oh, the other news from the um, northern hemisphere is there's rumours that the Haguares, um will be joining the Pro 14 and uh, playing out of Spain. Um, so uh, an interesting one there to well pro 14 or, or, or pro 16 as it will be once all of the uh, south african teams join so now we're talking pro 17 maybe at some point all getting very confusing um there whilst i do want there to be a home for the haguares i do think that uh, they're making a similar mistake to super rugby except pro 14 or pro rugby uh actually pro rugby was an american thing wasn't it pro 14 um has um never really had the popularity that Super Rugby did have. So, yeah, does it actually matter, I guess, is part of the question as to how popular this, the, the, the tournament is. Uh, any thoughts yeah. on that one, boys? Yeah, well, I mean, I have a very strong opinion. I think Jaguares make a massive mistake and Argentine rugby actually going backwards because the quality and intensity of a diluted league is going to be nowhere close to Super Rugby. And given that the Argentinian Pumas came out and upset the All Blacks, you know, first up after four, after without 402 days of test rugby, I think from a tactical point of view, it's it, it's very erroneous and it's it's a massive blunder. They really need to stay in Super Rugby uh, and get most of their players playing Super Rugby so that they can carry that same form line into the international test window. Going into a Pro 17, 19, 20, whatever you want to call it, in my view, is a massive backward step for the Haguaris. Sure. Go, go on, Stephen. I was just about to say, I, it, it, it's a funny old one. They're they're on the same time zone, aren't they? As the uh, northern hemisphere, Paul, is is that correct? Well, no, that's the whole point. That's why they would they would move it into. That's why they play in Spain rather than playing in Argentina. Is that they would be, they, a would mean there'd be less travel, uh, and b they would be in the right time zone as well. It, it's it's interesting. I suppose playing at the, I suppose playing in, in Spain if they can. Um, Build build a wee bit of a base and play the same sort of rugby that that saw them make the final against the Crusaders a, a couple of seasons back because they they were building and I, I tend to agree with the board to an extent. It's just the quality quality of rugby that they were playing week in week out. What are they going to get when they go into the pro pro fourteen? I don't really know because you know some of a couple of those South African sides uh, or the lesser sides are, you know to me are quite quite poor. Um, and, and also, there's a couple of other sides running around in the in the in the in the Pro 14, especially a couple of the, the Italian sides. Are, you know, not not the best. So yeah, will will their standard of rugby fall away? Quite possibly. I just think the, the the option of them staying in Super Rugby is zero, right? New Zealand and Australia basically we don't want you. So hence, the, that that option isn't open to them, unfortunately. Um, that uh, yeah, and in COVID, well, Super Rugby was falling apart anyway, uh, and COVID was really the, the the straw that broke the camel's back, um, with obviously the removal of any travel. But so yeah, so I, I don't think the Haguaris have the opportunity to stay in Super Rugby. Um, they have entered into the uh, Premier League, uh, the whatever I've gone blank as to what it's called now, but the professional league that they serve in South America, 
obviously that is a way lower level of uh, competition, um, including Chile and um, Brazil, etc. Um, but um, so yes, yeah, so I think it is. It is a. Uh, it, it's it's they're, they're looking around and going, okay, who will have us? Super Rugby have said no. Essentially, uh, the pro the the um, the Gallagher Premiership. Um, I don't believe we're interested. The uh, the top fourteen of the French the French league are not interested. I don't think Japan are, which basically leaves the Pro fourteen as being their only option, um, apart from their the uh, Superliga Rugby America. Thank you. Well, Gala Premiership made it clear that any new entrants or anyone who who wants to get a license to come and play has to come up with thirty five million, uh, the equivalent of thirty five million US. So I think that was a a significant roadblock. And uh, yeah, look, I, I understand that Jaguares and the management have taken the obvious economic choice from the broadcaster's point of view, similar time zones. I get all of that. But my fear is that by going into this league, they will re-engineer their style of play and look to play their traditional kicking game and go back to the Argentinian way of the old. Whereas what I saw, what we saw against what they brought uh, to the table against the All Blacks, it was fearless, hard-running, big, big hits in the middle. And and they actually beat the All Blacks at their own game. So my genuine fear is, for the sake of all the obvious, uh, so, I wouldn't say softer, but the more pragmatic options, they're actually going to take a step back as far as intensity and level of competition goes. And they will probably end up re-engineering what they're doing um, and go back to that more traditional safety-first conventional game, which, by and large, come 2023, it will have an impact on what Argentina and the Pumas do. Yeah, I'd, uh, from, from, a, from a quality of rugby point of view, I understand where you're coming from, from a commercial and from an availability of what they can do. Um, I just think they're just taking whatever option they can take, whatever option they have. Um, the, the only other option that uh, jumps out, obviously, is, a, uh, is playing in the Major League Rugby, which, again... Uh, whilst it's an improving standard, it's still a, uh, a lower standard. And also, clearly, the USA has got uh, issues with their own COVID um, at the moment um, as well. Um, so then, boys, that leaves us with the last 40 minutes to talk about Super Rugby, which is uh, obviously kicking off this weekend with uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa. Um, let's uh, kick off with some, I guess, well, that's hopefully positive news. Um, Bryce Heem has uh, signed for the Blues. Um, Stephen, as a uh, uh, actually, Amber, both of you as Blues fans, um, happy with that signing? Do you think he's going to bring um, get make match day squad bring much to the team? Firstly, I, I, it's one that caught me by surprise. I've got to say, um, he's thirty two years old, just gone thirty two on the eighteenth of eighteenth uh, of January. So you know, he's, he's certainly no spring chicken. I, I would have thought they might have looked within the at least. Looked within the the Blues region. I mean, say somebody like, for example, Jared Page, who wasn't who was selected for the Blues last year, wasn't selected this year. But I still thought he had a pretty good season for North Harbour. I can remember him scoring three tries in one of the games he played. Might have been against the Hawks Bay Magpies, uh, a game that uh, NZ Sport Radio covered last year. And uh, he looked quite sharp. Got a got a lot of pace, and I kind of wondered why they didn't really go back on, on there, but I, I suspect there might be a little bit going on in the backgrounds with Auckland. I believe that uh, Bryce Heem is uh, also signed uh, for Auckland uh, Mitre 10 Cup, which is, once again, that's that's another surprise when you've got some really good 
young wingers running around in Auckland. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. I'm sure Boa probably has a similar sentiment to me. <laughs> yep, well, you read my mind. You are the genius on this instance. Uh, I, Well, you know my view on this. I, I, I just cannot simply stand these lateral hires, these imports. It's it's uh, Look, it's, it's not the right message, especially for homegrown talent in the local union. There's so many uh, very talented young wingers, you know, on the cusp, uh, especially in the Auckland club rugby circuit. Um, and also, you know, spreading your um, your tentacles to North Harbour and Northland. You know, there's this so, there's, there, there, there is enough talent. So why on earth, you know, you go sort of doing this sort of thing is... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan, Stephen. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of this sort of thing. I think the um, franchises really have to go shopping in their own catchment area. And the more they do this, the more disheartened some of these grassroots players who are on the cusp wanting to get that breakthrough are going to be. Um, and, and also, you know, with this whole um, revamping, so-called revamping of this talent identification program, I mean, it really goes against the grain, doesn't it, guys? Yeah, you know, but, so you know, Paul, I was going to say, I could understand it if he was playing Mighty 10 Cup here in New Zealand and he's bought in his maybe bought in his injury cover. I can, I can get that because he's he, he may have earned his place through through good form and in Mighty 10 Cup. But boy, that one's just really and truthfully came out, it's come out of out of the blue, even even more so than a, a Joe Marchant uh, selection where Joe came over here as a, as a young guy and. Man, he was he was just starting to look really good. Get used to the style of um, of um, of the way Super Rugby was played, and he, and he brought a little and he brought a, a different sort of flavour as well. You know, um, yeah, no no disrespect to the player Bryce Finn, but no, totally. it's it's some way I wouldn't have went. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's plenty of good wingers in in these three um, provinces who could who could have put their hand up, but you know, again, it's it's a bit disappointing. Uh, nothing against Bryce Seam, you know, he's Lovely guy, lovely player, but uh, not the right selection in my view as, as well. It's the best thing he said or not, isn't it, Bob? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The host of the show is on mute. Most shows on mute while he was coughing. He's got something else. Um, the, um, uh, so, um, I guess the, the only point you might make, look, is he's played in Toulon, uh, obviously came up through the Auckland system initially, but it's going to he's played Worcester, Toulon, etc. Um, is he brings some experience to that back line uh, now that, so, you, so what you've, if you look at the, the, the backs, TJ Fiani, Rico Wani, uh, Tanalea Talea, um, in those centres there, so he adds a bit of experience, I guess, there. You look at the outside backs in um, Clark, Lamb, um, Marsili, uh, Marsilia, Tori, Amoni, Nowaria. I mean, there's Zan Solomon. You're looking at that, that that back line is very inexperienced uh, uh, in, in the outside backs. I mean, obviously Caleb Clark has played for the All Blacks, but he's it's, it's, he's had one year, one year of Super Rugby. Um, uh, Mark Talia only um, is where's he got like four guys there who have got next to no super, four or five guys who've got next to no Super Rugby experience. So I guess from an experience, they've already got a lot of young players in there. So maybe it is. It's just to bring some experience into the squad. I, I, I suppose the other thing, Paul, um, I was just sort of thinking about um, originally the uh, the, Arge, the Argentinian boy who was going to come. Is it Chocolate? Oh, I don't even. I won't even begin to say. Chocobares. Yeah. Well, he was going to come across, and he was a centre. So 
maybe they actually see um, somebody like Bryce Hem as a centre, as opposed to a uh, as opposed to a winger, because it's that midfield where I, I actually think the Blues are a, a little thin if they were if they were to have injuries. Yeah, I think he's I think he's in as a centre, not as a winger. Um, they've, they've already got a stack of outside backs. Um, yeah, so I do, and, and you've also got players like Perifetta who can play fullback as well. So yeah, it is centre where they need, or it, it is in the midfield is where they need the, the cover. I also saw Nerei Formai playing in that um, hit-out game at centre on the weekend as well. Now, Formai played uh, midfield for Hawks Bay last year, came into that second, uh, came into the second five position actually. Now that I that I that I think about it, in fact, he actually kept Danny Tawala. Out of out of the team towards the latter part of the season when Hawks Bay were on their run, so I do wonder if they also see him as a uh, as a midfielder as well, or is he just primarily in the team as cover injury cover? Um, I think he's purely yeah he's not he, he, he might be a uh, extended squad practice player, but he's not in as a um uh, yeah he's not in as a regular player. Shut the yeah, coat, well, they, they won't catch Harim, they won't catch him. Um, <laughs> Says Ashwin there. I've got to that. That, 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 that. That's from a few years ago, I believe. I'm not sure. He probably it doesn't quite have. A, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm not. I've seen much of him recently. I'm guessing he doesn't quite have the pace he used to have. But I could be wrong. Um, well, the the thing is with him. I mean, if he's going to make any sort of impact with the Blues, he's, he's going to really have to step up his game quite significantly. Coming from Toulon and showing some, you know, good form lines. Because based on what we saw the game of three halves in the warm up, boy, those Blues, man, they look good. I, I I have to say, I didn't expect them to win. I was actually expect them expecting them to get a bit of a thumping, uh, especially given that they couldn't train together as a team uh, with Oakland going into level uh, three. But boy, that was uh, played some really good rugby, and uh, the, that form line in Mitre Ten at NPC level, which guys like Jonathan Ruru, clearly, clearly, it's starting to come through. And so maybe finally we're starting to see some of that tiered system run-on form showing, uh, you know, in, in a very systematic manner. So the pressure is really going to be on guys like Bryce Heap, and um, I, I, I would be surprised, uh, you know. At, at, at training, you know, he's 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 going to find it really, really hard. So I, I really hope the Blues know what they're doing here. So the big question then, um, Boa, after that, uh, after talking up the Blues so much, Batman asks us, um, will the Blues win it this year? You've just talked about <laughs> okay, Simple answer is no. They, they would be the off-season, pre-season champions. Uh, Crusaders, you know, odds on pop. Uh but my long shot, and I'm starting to like them more and more, the Highlanders. So, Crusaders, a clear-cut top pick and favourites to it. Highlanders, long shot, Blues, nah, they'll, they'll, they'll probably have, a, have a, food, a, a few good games. But uh, I, I really can't see them winning. Yeah, I mean, the Blues have held the Brisbane 10s for about three years now. So, I mean, uh, yeah, pre-season champions, as you say. Stephen? <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to say yes, but that, that would all be with my... Uh... My heart, not my, not my head. Um, yeah, this is our year. <laughs> yeah, you sound like a Warriors fan, Ashwin. <laughs> no, I was about to say, there's another overball team across the uh, across the way. I'll tell you what, I'll put it out there. Yeah, of course, they're going to do it this year. It's going to be the, it's going to be their year. Come on, se- se- get up. Seven to one, I think, on, on, on the odds. TAB, yeah. I don't know what the, 
books across the Desmond are doing, but yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul's yeah, taking this and he'll play it back to me at the end of the season. <laughs> well, look, guys, one thing I do have to say, one thing I do have to say is if the Blues focus on a bit of goal kicking this year, and, and this is my bugbear right throughout, and, and, and a really good example was that um, Voratas versus uh, uh, the, the Reds game. How many times did the, the Waratahs not kick for goal? And and this is something I think uh, the local super teams need to get onto. And uh, when was I mean when was the last time the Blues had a consistent goal kicker who could actually win them games purely on goal kicking? So that is an element they can actually uh, focus and compete on. Guys like Stephen Porofeta, obviously. Um, so there's there are all these sort of little idiosyncrasies, but. Um, I guess when you come up against the big guns like the Crusaders, you're going to have to score tries and lots of them or s- score points and not concede tries. But based on the current fo- uh, squads and the form lines, very difficult to see them doing that. Yeah. I mean, Terry Black's a decent goal kicker. Um, but let's move down State Highway 1 to the Chiefs. Um, and they have announced that Sir Brad Weber will be co-captioning with Sam Kane this year. Um, nice reward for Brad Weber, who I thought would be heading overseas uh, at uh, uh, when he didn't get that uh, the All Blacks recognition at the Rugby World at some uh, previous actually well, I'm where it was now but yeah but he was missing out to Triple T and play, players and I thought he was going to head overseas but he stuck around fought his corner got himself back into the All Blacks reckoning um, and uh, got himself the uh, captaincy for the or co-captaincy for the Chiefs as well um, yeah good reward for him isn't it yeah it is he um, he's come a long way since. Uh, since that time we was left out of that squad that, uh, you know, when they split up and they took them up to, to Japan, I don't even think he actually, uh, if we recall, he didn't make that side. I think even the likes of Mitch Drummond and Bryn Hall were all ahead of him in the uh, in the pecking order. But, you know, credit to the guy. He's actually stuck it. He's absolutely stuck it out and, and hung in there at all levels of rugby where he could have just simply walked away from the game. And, and, and full credit to him. For, for hanging in there. But in terms of that all-black jersey, boy, he's going to have some guys snapping at his heels this year because, uh, you know, uh, I was really impressed with um, a few of the halfbacks that I, that I saw on show on the weekend. Even the likes of the much maligned Jonathan Rudu played a really good game for the Blues on the weekend. Sam Knott was excellent, but, boy, a kid that really stuck his hand up to me was Xavier Rowe. Uh, from the Chiefs, you know, obviously Paul highlighted him about a, a year or two ago, <clears throat> um, young Xavier Rowe, but uh, yeah, he's going to have all these guys snapping right at his heels, not to mention Falao Fakatava as well down at the, uh, the Highlanders, so it's exciting times, but um, mate, credit to, credit to him for being loyal. Yep. Yeah, no, 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 no question, no question about it. And, and you're right. I think the guy who caught my eye in the warm-ups was actually Xavier Rowe, because every time you actually watch the game, the name you heard was Xavier Rowe. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of competition, um, and especially for the incumbent All Blacks, where their man- you know minutes get managed um, on the high-performance contracts. They will have to make the most of their minutes. They will have to make the most of their minutes because there'll be a, a lot of guys snapping at their heels. And this season, give a, looking at some of the preseason um, fitness work most of these guys have been doing, I've been looking at some of the test numbers. Boy, they're really you know pushing hard. They're pushing the standards higher and higher. So what this means is now 
there's no such thing as a you know traditional preseason. There's 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 no instance where uh, you know guys take time off. They just go on the Christmas cookies and eat too much or whatever. These guys they're training pretty much 365 days a year, ready for action. So each and every player, they will boy, they're going to have to make some impact. And um, if and and also you got to understand with the intensity stepping up, uh, hopefully no injuries coming the way because there will always, always be someone to take their position. Yep. Um, where does that leave Triple T for the Chiefs? Well, yeah, Dan, a very good question. Um, maybe you should have headed down to the Hurricanes. They've got a gap. Um, or, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, obviously, he's, he's going to have to run up. I, I like, you know, some of these halfbacks, it's, it's a real it's a real interesting pose of the question of who's that second, third, and fourth halfback now that TJ has gone offshore. Obviously, you've got the, the, the elder statesman there, Aaron Smith, still probably perceived or seen as your, as your, as your number one halfback. Weber is there or thereabouts. Of course, he went to a World Cup in, in, in 2019, but also Falau Fakatawa, who made some waves last year for Hawks Bay. Listen, he's a, he's a very good footballer. I, I just wonder how much game time he's going to get behind Aaron Smith, that could be the issue for him. I like what the Blues bring to the table. They've got three halfbacks here. Forgot about Finlay Christie yep. as yep. well. So there's going to be some real serious competition for that number one spot at the Blues. And I'll tell you what, I think it could be Sam Knox's year. We, we know what a good game. What I liked about him, especially in that performance against the Crusaders, he actually got himself into really good positions for his, his runners. And, he, and he's thinking, he's thinking a little bit. He's not basically sitting on the ball too much, which is something that he used to, to do in the past. And then when you saw Xavier Rowe, very, very similar. Those are the two guys I see pushing for that second and third spot boy. Oh, no question about it. I think Sam Nock is uh, your classic example of what I call a hybrid player. He's using some of the seven skills. He's brought it into the 15s game. And he's really focused on his distribution aspect of the game, especially when you have fast ball carriers and guys who can attack with. Uh, as a halfback, your job is to give them quality, you know, front football. And I think he's doing that really well. And combine that with his you know, very snappy, sharp reflexes around the fringe and his sevens background. I think he's going to be one of the breakthrough surprises this season. And that's a very, very astute observation from you, Stephen Harris. Thank, thank, thank you very much. So you're obviously getting my Texas. Uh, <laughs> uh, boy, well, Paul, is, is, that, is there anybody out of those half picks that we mentioned that stand out for you? As he's eating his pizza and on mute. Oh me? That's what I thought you were talking about. Boa. I thought you were Boa. So you said Paul with you. Um, you're a bit, you're a bit quieter. I didn't mean to get move, move my microphone closely enough. But uh, the um, yeah, look, I mean, Fakatava's great. I mean, his hair's fantastic, isn't it? Uh, for, for no other reason. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've we've got it. We've look. We, if we're going to show New Zealand culture to the world via the All Blacks, then we need to get someone like him in, just because we've got to bring the mullet back. We've got to show people this. This is how they should be cutting their hair. Um, so from that point of view, yes, Fakatava has to be in the All Blacks. Um, purely just to bring the hair styles back to the world, um, absolutely. So, um, look, I, I think Fakatawa will get will will get a lot more game time uh, this year. I think what I think they're going to try and nurse Aaron Smith through to the next World Cup, which means that he'll that he won't have to play the full eighty anymore. Um, and I think I think I'm, that that that's a good sign for 
Fakatav, look, he's got someone there who he can learn from. Uh, um, and we've seen how well I mean, Aaron Smith doesn't feel challenged, isn't going to feel challenged by Fakatav. He's going he's to be more than happy to help the guy out as much as possible. Um, we've seen how, how he's worked with TJ Perinara. He's not felt challenged by him. He's worked with him. So I think actually it's a great place for Fakatav to be um, for, down there. For, Paul, I was going to say for me, my only little doubt in the back of my my mind is we've seen how good Fakatava is at minor 10 level, but this is another step step up again. And you can guarantee there'll be a lot of coaches that have basically done a lot of work on him and he'll get a whole lot of pressure uh, stuck on him. That, that, apart from when he did last year, I'm obviously still bitter about that uh, that uh, loss last year in the uh, championship final. <laughs> um, but no, well, I, I just only, only, only time will tell. Yeah, it's also, think, uh, he's also been down there in the Highlanders for two years now, hasn't he? So he's had he knows the setup, he knows what it means to be a Super Rugby player. Whereas your players like Xavier Rowe coming in, it's their very first season at this level. Um, I think he's he's got a, a steep learning curve. Uh, and that's why, in fact, will be in a better position. He's someone that's still not known much by the fans of Super Rugby, um, but uh, someone will come through. Talking of fans of Super Rugby, whilst we have wonderful coverage brought to us by Sky TV, and um, yes, we are available if you would like to buy the show uh, and put it out on Sky TV um, the um, here in New Zealand. Um, and uh, obviously, with um, Stan Sports um, stepping things up in Australia, um, from Fox, um, but outside of that, basically, no one can watch it. There are no TV rights in Europe. There are no TV rights in the USA. Um, this is uh, uh, now last time the, the the bump in TV rights, the extra money, came from predominantly the UK, where um, BT or British Telecom and um, Sky TV over there were fighting it out for rugby. Now they don't have the same. Now they're not throwing the same sort of cash at sport. They're not fighting it out anymore. I, I, I think that Sanzar basically realised that are finding out now that um, that they're just not going to get the cash that they were they were going to get previously. And and their response has been, well, if you don't pay us this much, we're not going to give you the. You, you, you can't show it full stop. It seems wrong to me um, that Sanzar have left it so late and have not managed to get a TV deal in those important markets. It is, and it is ridiculous, isn't it? Because connectivity and the access to streaming on live is stronger and better than ever. And yet here we are with Sansa not having the ability to strike a, a, a global deal. So it just goes to show uh, you've got to be a little bit more savvy, especially from an administrator's point of view on how you deal with getting a global reach and a global audience. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a tricky situation here. A bit of a catch twenty two for Senza. So, and not only that, they've they've I mean in in their partner Sky, the Sky have gone out and bought Rugby Pass, which is a streaming service for that can they can stream globally, um, even if you have to use a, a VPN at places. And what ha, what's happened? Rugby Pass no longer has Super Rugby, so has Sky basically bought Rugby Pass just to kill it, um, because it was it was competition. Um, I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, it just seems at, at a time when very few other places can show sports with crowds that uh, we, we have a premium product here and yet we're hiding it from the world. So, so hit, 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 
here's something quite interesting, gentlemen. Sky Sky TV came out with a uh, uh, revised uh, earnings uh, statement today. Actually, the stock market they've actually increased their revenue by about two hundred thirty percent, but their profitability has dropped by about seven percent. That just goes to show. And the main reason is that people who purchase streaming spend a lot lesser than those who obviously subscribe to satellite TV. So there's a bit of work to be done there. But I see what you're saying, Paul. Uh, it's it's probably a little bit more than a conspiracy theory, and it's probably some business <laughs> tactics that just want to kill rugby pass altogether. Who knows? You, you, you kind of, when you speak conspiracies, you kind of wonder with the suggested new sponsor coming on board if there's a little bit more than... Meets the meets the eye to this, if you know what I mean. All of a sudden, you're getting this really massive finance company supposedly coming on board, but you don't want to tender out your your code. It's if there's a strategy behind this, man, it's it's either brave or very foolish. Now you you could point that you're not in, okay. We're not talking about sponsor here. We're talking about investor. Um, yeah, so so. Yeah, as what um, Stephen's referring to here is um, Silver Lake, I think is a company out of the USA that um, is looking at buying, uh, investing and um, buying X percent of all future um, revenue for the All Blacks. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe you are right there that, um, that, that, that what what's, uh, is that they don't want to sell or uh, they don't want to sell anything, at least any, any long term deals because Silver Lake might be wanting to do something themselves. Um, so yeah, good point. I hadn't, um, hadn't, hadn't, I hadn't put what, hadn't put two and two together for that one. But so well, yes. it, they are an American conglomerate, and you know, kind of like what Donald Trump wants to do. He's been banned from all the social media platforms. Chances are he's going to start his own little gig. So who knows? Silver Lake might be taking a leaf out of that book. Yep. Um, but uh, as, as Simon says, yeah, the A League show their games on YouTube, where they don't have TV deals. Um, and that might have been that might have been an option. Yeah, it's to show it on YouTube in the in the short term, um, and then when Silver Lake come on board, move it across to their new sparkling um, uh, sort of uh, what silvery platform. Uh, who knows? Yeah, you just get the feeling there's a but there's a bit of a strategy behind this. Um, so slow down, Stephen. I mean, a strategy. We're talking about rugby, rugby, rugby union administrators here. A strategy. <laughs> Wow, I, I think there is a strategy behind behind this madness. I I wouldn't be one I wouldn't be one bit surprised if AllBlacks.tv come up with their own streaming app and all this because you know there's there's a Super Rugby is the easy, is the most easily sellable product right around the world as far as quality of rugby goes. There is such a such a demand uh, where you have players representing New Zealand. Australia and um, South Africa, you know, there's, there's, there's a there's a global fan base. So you know, it's a, it's a very simple thing. So uh, I, I sincerely hope that there is some strategic thinking behind this because you're you're not letting the golden goose lay the egg. That's just my take on this whole thing by not going global with your TV deal yet. Yeah, look, it's one of the it's um I guess the other the other problem is that uh, and, and I don't know if the deal has changed because of COVID. Um, but the um, uh, New Zealand Rugby owns a share of Sky TV, uh, and that's part of um, was part of the latest TV rights. So it becomes that then becomes a very much a um, yeah, conflict of interest whenever the TV rights come up next time 
in New Zealand if you own one of the people who's bidding. So, yeah, it, it's there's all sorts of strange goings on. Um, and, yes, I personally, I think the, the moving themselves away from Sky and going onto a streaming service would have been the right way to go. But um, a bit like Disney has done with a lot of its things or HBO is doing, um, you're not going to be seeing things like Game of Thrones through Sky anymore. You're going to have to go straight to HBO for it. Uh, the New Zealand rugby could have done um, something similar. But, um, yeah, for all we know, it might end up on Netflix live streaming. Who knows? So let's wait and see. Yep. Maybe you um, maybe you heard it here first, Netflix. <laughs> the one place it won't be is Netflix. Netflix has shown no interest in sport at all up to date. It, where the, the, the most likely place for it is Amazon, who have done... Um, all Blacks uh, documentaries, etc. Already, so that's that looks like that. That to me would be the most likely one if we're looking at a current streaming platform rather than their own one. Um, Boa, you you uh, you took some some uh, interest in the new laws, obviously, um, and uh, the uh, apparently there's a bit of an issue with the referee challenge during the Crusaders game. Ah, oh, good lord, where do I start? Here we go again. Yeah, mm. trying to complicate simplicity. Well, this is the red card challenge where the captain, I think it was Cody Taylor on that point, he felt that the... Um, try, try challenge, not not, um, not red card challenge. Sorry, try, you know, it was a referee's call. The, the thing is, you have to actually be very clear and simplify this whole situation because what actually happened was he challenged the referee's call and then the referee and the TMO went and looked at it, but they looked at the wrong part of the footage. And then after the game, the referee apologizes to the crusader and say, hey, we got it wrong. So all it all, all it has, all which needs to really happen is the referee says, All right, skipper, where what do you want me to have a look at? And then the skipper says, I feel that they're offside at the lineup. Okay, TMO, can you have a look at this, please? Skipper's challenge. Is he right or am I wrong? And then they look at it and say, Yep, now you 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 were wrong. I mean, that's not even a question, that's a rhetoric answer. And then life goes on. But, you know, it's, it's, there's a hundred different variations in, 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 a diff, in different competitions. If they're going to have what you call elves, experimental law variations, I think it's really important, especially if, if with, with Super Rugby coming in, you have some uniformity in Australia and in New Zealand because once and if they have a, a, a trans-Tasman competition, uh, you know, they can, they can try the same thing. This is this is just causing more confusion. It's 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 complicating this whole thing, and it's just adding more stupidity. And as I keep saying, you know, complicating what should be a very straightforward, uh, simple process. Uh, what, what I what I did like, uh, I have to say though, is that the referee actually came out and apologized. That that must be like a. That I've, I've never heard of that sort of happening because referees, they, they know everything. They're like the encyclopedia. It's like, what's it, what's what's that uh, T-shirt that says? I don't need an encyclopedia. My wife knows everything. So it's the same thing with referees, isn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. I was, I was going to say, just on what I saw the uh, weekend with the game of three halves, I know Paul Williams was – there were a lot of – there was a lot of whistle in that game. And, um, boy, a lot of break – Breakdown penalties, especially over the, over over the ball uh, penalties, and also a lot of the players. I know the Crusaders gave away a lot of penalties in terms of uh, in terms of the offsides, and there was the comment basically thrown out there if that was actually a, de a deliberate ploy 
by the Crusaders just to give to give away that many many penalties just to see what their defensive patterns were like. But boy, that's that's something that you wouldn't want to do in a in a, in a full on guy to give that sort of advantage away. It puts the rest of your squad under a lot a lot of pressure. And 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 also administrators and the the lawmakers need to understand fans and and TV audiences they don't watch the game to you know listen to a lecture from the referee or the referee blowing the whistle or you know come up with all these hundred different explanations for what should be a very straightforward thing especially at the breakdown now this this was discussed last season you have one go you have to maintain your feet uh, release that's it one goal that's it and now all these teams know this but they keep testing. The referee's patient. So the, the simple answer is pre-game, the ref says, look, I'm going to only tolerate it twice. Uh, if I if I have to say tackler release three times, you're going to the bin. It's it's that simple. But, you know, the, the, the policing the wrong part of the game, they've let uh, critical parts of the game slip. And then when it slips, trying to make it up by, you know, giving everyone a public lecture and trying to do some coaching uh, on live TV, it's just not working. And then to complicate and confuse matters more, we've got all these experimental laws which haven't really been thought out properly. And, and they've clearly not done their test runs. And there's clearly a lack of training and education around this. Um, and the end result is, oh, well, sorry, we got it wrong. But I have to say I'm pleased they got it wrong in a preseason as opposed to a game-changing decision in a very critical game. Agreed. One thing I would like to say, Look, I finished my pizza during the show and I didn't even see me eating on, on screen. So there we go. I'm happy. Um, the Now, you're, you're right. I mean, the big thing here is, yeah, it's happened pre-season. Um, and it's, the good thing about it happening pre-season is also that um, we've all become now aware. We just thought it was kind of like the captain just goes, I think something was wrong. Go check it, please. No. He's now going to walk up and explain what he thinks is wrong clearly enough that the referee understands him. Um, and that was the problem here. You said offside at the line-out. They checked the offside. There was no offside at the line-out. There was offside um, at the ruck just after the line-out. And that small technicality was what went wrong there. And so uh, it's a learning point for both the Crusaders and the referee and us as well. Um, I think, in some ways, I think it's good that it's happened because we have a better understanding of the law now going into, into Super Rugby. Paul, I was going to say that... Uh... The uh, Cody Taylor Taylor one, I thought there was a bit of a hot, bit of hail mary about it, you know, um, about the actual referral, you know, because they were down by those seven points. But I thought the most bizarre thing in that game was right at the end where they needed to keep the ball alive, and one of the players actually touched it down the end goal area, which effectively ended ended the game. So it was it was bizarre. Obviously, it, listen, it's just a muck around game, but you have a you have a go, you have a crack. Even if it was from 100, 100 meters, so it was bizarre why the player would actually touch it down because that effectively ended the ended the game. But you are you both both right. It's good that these little so things that need to be ironed out are happening happening in in preseason contests. Hmm. Well, I I have no sympathy for the refs, so I'm I'm probably going to be, um, you know, I I I I find it utterly ridiculous that what should be a very simple, straightforward thing uh, gets so complicated. Uh, you know, all you have to say is, all right, which which part of the which part do you want me to look at? All right, well, it was the line out. I think number two was offside. All right, well, okay, uh, TMO was number two offside. Yes or no? And 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 you remember a few years ago they said, is there any reason I should not avoid a try and all that kind of nonsense? 
just just ask simple questions. And 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 this is what really gets to me. This this whole complications and all these weird questions people ask. And after time, people watching the game have no idea what the hell is going on. So let's hope for the sake of rugby, for the sake of sanity, all this is filtered out. Um, and hopefully the refs refs are watching this. Yeah, I know, nice. I know you guys watch. And it's nice that those um, that they that they that they've changed it from as you say. Uh, any reason I cannot to say my on-field decision is this, and then you, and then that, and that that has been cleared up. And it is much clearer now, which is good to see at least. Um, moving on, then last piece of uh, Super Rugby news. Um, did you spot that there has been a that uh, rugby is going the way of football, uh, and that there has been a transfer from um, the uh, Toronto Arrows to the Reds um, of um, Asiata? Um, and money was transferred to pay for the player to move over. I mean, hey, is this the future of Major League Rugby to be a, uh, a development place where Super Rugby then goes buys its players from, do you think, boys? Gee, was that, was that article in the back of uh, page 13 right down on the right-hand corner there? <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really wouldn't have known if you hadn't mentioned it to me. But uh, listen, I... I, I I actually think a, a, a loan system or transfer system, especially during the season, is a great thing. How many times have we seen teams, we saw the Chiefs last year with so many injuries, and boy, I bet you they would have loved to have utilised a player that might have been sitting in the blue stocks, not getting any, any game time, or the Hurricanes game stocks. You know, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing, seriously. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. I think more opportunity for more players rather than bench warm because, you know, the reality, guys, is in Super Rugby, there will be a bunch of players, the second tier guys in the wider squad, all they basically, yeah, and this is my, my take on it, they're just, you know, running tackle bags. Uh, you know, they mimic what the opposition do. Uh, uh, say, for example, the Blues are playing the Hurricanes uh, this weekend, so they those guys would be you know mimicking what the Hurricanes do, and the, the Blues guys go end up smashing them. So, you know, it's 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 a you know, weird place to be in, and sometimes it can be quite disheartening. So, this sort of opportunity, this window, really gives some of these players that opportunity which they're not getting, um, and who knows, someone would take it, and we could see some potential stars break through. Let's hope. So there you go, folks. Richie um, Asiata is the uh, potentially the uh, the vanguard of uh, not the vanguard the anyway whatever whatever it's called the um, the trailblazer of uh, transfers in rugby. Um, we'll have to see if, it, yeah. if, if, if that pans out. Um, does, if, does if you if you ask Eddie Jones, he'll say it's just the import, <laughs> <laughs> the star import. <laughs> um, Cool. Um, any other? Uh, I've gone. I've gone through my list of things, boys. Any any final? Any other points that uh, before the weekend? What, what was I too late for the five red cards from the weekend <laughs> gone by? Oh, jeez. Okay then. Oh. <laughs> well, yes. Okay. So oh, for those of you that aren't aware, folks, because obviously it's a New Zealand show, over in the uh, Gallagher Premiership, um, there were five red cards, two in one game and three in another game. Um, from what I understand. Uh, I've not seen them uh, looking on Twitter. Four of them are dead cert red cards. One of them um, is most likely a red card with um, potential um, uh, uh, mitigating circumstances. But um, four of them, um, from what I understand, dead cert red cards. Uh, now, Bo's going to say, hey, look, when are the players going to learn? Apparently, some of the players come out and said, hey, this is a wake-up call for us. 
So who knows? Maybe, maybe though, next next weekend we won't have so many. No, I, I can guarantee you that won't be the case because, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of these professional coaches and high-performance guys on a very, very regular basis. The reality is, the reality is, players at top level get encouraged to tackle uh, which is what you call crest on crest. So basically, crest on crest, you're going nice and high at shoulder level. Even despite World Rugby coming out publicly and saying that, look, guys, we've got to sort of tackle at, at a safe. And that's why I've come up with safe tackle framework, obviously. But now the message is not getting through because high performance coaching is all about results. And because it's results driven, coaches are willing to risk the safety element. And this is my opinion, guys. I'm not trying to put words in anyone's mouth. This is my opinion. Based on what I'm seeing, they are willing to risk the safety. And, you know, oh, look, maybe they'll just get hurt a little bit. Maybe we'll give a penalty away because by going nice and high, they avoid two things. Number one, the offload. And number two, they believe or the hypothesis is that they don't have to commit too many people into the tackle situation, i.e. they can fan players out. So unless those two elements and that part of the game changes, nothing will get through. Coaches are in denial. The reality is we need to have a complete overhaul and look at how we view and how we coach and how we educate coaches and players at junior grades on how they progress as far as tackling goes. Until this is sorted out, we will have a fatality on the field. Uh, that much I can guarantee you because the way uh, high-performance players are encouraged to go nice and high, it's only a matter of time, Some a big uh, uh, a shoulder on the back of their head, we will see uh, a very serious uh, injury or fatality. Yeah, we've already seen fatalities but, um, the, uh, in in the game in France last year, which led to uh, was last year the four that led to a trial there, saying all tackles had to be below the waist. I've not heard how that um, uh, how that trial went in the very, in the lower of France. Very 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 successful. It really opened the game up. Lots of points were scored, and this is where high performance will come and say, no no no, this is not going to work because they get all jittery because. With with my my proposed trial where you have a, a line across the sternum and the biceps, there's lots of cheering and say, "Yeah, this is beautiful." But soon as we come to the top levels, everyone gets a little bit uncomfortable. Why? Because they don't want to give up this advantage of going nice and high. So as strange as it may sound, it's well, we'll, we'll have to, it's yeah, it, it's it's world rugby is trying to lower it as you say. So far, um, we aren't seeing much success. At all, if any, um, with that, we, I don't, we, we haven't seen a, a lot of technique changes. What we are seeing, though, is a, is that um, the response to this on uh, on social media um, is becoming much more okay. That's a red um, with for the clear outs and things. Whereas probably a year, two years ago, it was like, oh, what? No, that that that's, that you're ruining the game. So. Public uh, public awareness or public opinion of what is a red is changing um, slowly, uh, but it's not happening quickly enough. Um, it, it, it is, Paul. At this rate, it'll probably take about 17 years. Uh, but, yeah, in that 17 years, we will see a horrendous amount of injuries, lots of concussions. And um, 
Yeah, I, I really don't know why people are, I mean, what they're waiting for. I get that there are lots of traditionalists. For example, when I made my proposal of putting a line across the shirts, a lot of people said, oh, you know, we can't do that on our jerseys years and years and years. Well, if the same logic was applied to things like, you know, cell phones and cars, we'd still be, you know, on, on, a, you know, on a horse cart or something like that. So we have to get with the times. We have to look to innovate. And me, for me personally, it's been very, very frustrating trying to get this simple logic through to administrators because in one hand they're saying let's be safe but on the other hand they're just not willing to make the relevant changes so that the game is safer in a practical sense where we don't alienate fans players coaches all these stakeholders yep um and you're, you're preaching to the converted here um but uh, as i say yeah it's, okay it's interesting here that the uh, that the that the the trial they did in france went well um so that's that's interesting to say. I, I heard it was happening, but there's been next to no um, response from that. Um, from well, so, that, that, yeah. that is that is because the top level coaches are not not in favor. That's so it just got killed. The, yeah. the, the the problem here is that they won't have two versions of the sport, top level, and then let's let's police it in a slightly different way, and then let's just kind of water this version down so that we can show the whole world that everything is nice and safe at the lower levels. But as soon as you go to the elite level, everything you've learned down there goes out the window, which is unfortunate. But that that is the truth, guys. I have to say this because uh, this has been one of the key things of my findings and the data, especially talking to the people and and and, and seeing what is being done at training and what happens on. The, I mean, you guys see it anyway, and the red cards are evidence enough. Yep. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. So yeah, I'm, I'm expecting there to be plenty of red cards. Um, and probably also red cards. Uh, it was good to see that um, <clears throat> at least in Australian Super Rugby, there've been some attempt to bring it down. Obviously, red card we got there was a tip tackling at the weekend, which was an absolute uh, um, open and shut case. So that was obvious. Um, and we'll see how it goes with Super Rugby Aotearoa this weekend and Super Rugby AU as well. Um, will there be a North versus South game this year, boys? Um, the I think this comes down to if we have uh, June internationals or not. I, I've got a funny feeling that uh, we'll still have the 14-day quarantine, and I'm not sure that any team, any of the Northern Hemisphere teams, will want to quarantine for 14 days. So I, ex I expect the July tests to probably be called off. So yeah, I, I don't see why we wouldn't have a North versus South game again this year. Uh, yep, very very correct. Batman, yeah, it's more than likely it's going to happen because you've. You have to fill the schedule in some form or shape. And Paul, very astute there by saying, yeah, the 14-day quarantine period is going to have some ramification. And of course, uh, you know, we don't know whether we'll have future flare-ups around the world with COVID, third, fourth, fifth, I don't know, 75th wave, whatever it is. So, yeah, more than likely, North, we shall. Yep. Um, will we actually see cross-hemisphere rugby between, um, with, uh, say, the All Blacks travelling up to um, uh, the Northern Hemisphere, possibly, um, because uh, I can see that we they would be exempt from a uh, <coughs> from a quarantine because they're coming from such a, a place with no with no COVID or relatively little COVID, um, which we'll probably say now at the moment. Um, so I think yeah, I think there's a possibility of internationals happening. Um, I'm not just I just can't see it be happening inbound into places like Australia and or New Zealand because of that 14 day window. Um, Thank you, boys. Any other um, any other points? 
I thought I'd just check out the uh, the odds for the weekend. The Highlanders playing two dollars ninety five. The Crusaders one dollar thirty six, and uh, the Blues and the Hurricanes currently split, both playing one dollar eighty seven. But that's probably not a bad sorry value bet, value bet on the yeah exactly. That's probably not a bad bet on the uh, on the Highlanders at uh, two dollars ninety five. Um, I'm just trying to uh, find the odds. For the, uh, the outright winner for Super Rugby, but I'll uh, look up those and have those ready for you next week. But I would imagine it'll probably be the uh, Crusaders, the hot favourites, the Blues, and two Highlanders, three Chiefs, four, and um, Hurricanes, five. That's um, that's um, that's how I'm thinking what the picking order is by the TAB. That's my uh, that's what I think the TAB odds are going to be. But we'll, I'll get those for you next week. Been fun, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I think Highlanders uh, halftime, full-time, double. I, that's 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 great value. And uh, Crusaders, as you know, you know, perennial slow starters as well. Maybe all that has changed with this whole shrinking of the numbers and this Super Rugby Aotearoa because it's hardly any time to you know put a foot wrong. But at two ninety-five, wow, that's that's tremendous value. I think I think, I think your, your your the Crusaders perennial slow starters was very much a um, oh, I've gone blank. Who was the last um, coach? Uh, was was a um, a blackadder? Scotty Blackadder. Yep, uh, it was a blackadder um, uh, thing under under Scotty Robinson. Um, he hasn't. Uh, he's he. I think he's won his first game every every Super Rugby season. So I think he's got rid of that that one. I think that was yeah. That was very much a blackadder thing um, rather than a rather than a razor thing. Well, I've um, just found uh, while we were just chatting there, Paul. I've got the. Uh... Overall odds for the uh, the grand uh, final winner of uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa: Crusaders paying two dollars, the Blues four dollars twenty, the Hurricanes five fifty, the Highlanders seven dollars fifty. Boy, that's a good value bet. I can see Boa; he's probably going to get his fingers straight onto the TAB account after this. And, I have actually, <laughs> and the and the Chiefs are at nine dollars. But uh, for me, the value bet there is definitely the Highlanders at. $7.50. Maybe a lazy 20. So um, they had that reputation for Blackadder. Maybe the Crusaders did, but uh, they definitely continued with Blackadder and stopped after him. Um, the uh, um, Apparently, Simon says that Italy will tolerate 14-day periods to play matches um, that uh, guarantee fixtures. So, that'll, so yes, so maybe we'll have a three-match three test tour between Italy and the All Blacks. Uh, Italy wow. were going to come this year for at least one game, I think. Yeah, I, I think, look, Italy will do pretty much anything if you ask them to quarantine for 100 days because they're on the verge of getting kicked out. So they want to be in everyone's good book. So no doubt they will come, quarantine, get a good old-fashioned thumping, go back. I don't know. Do they have to do another 14-day quarantine in, in in Florence or whatever? So be it. So, yeah. The um, Well, um, yes, I think, I think yes, you, you're quite right. They would, uh, they, they, uh, yes, they would get a, a good old-fashioned... Uh, a, a, um, a beating in both those games. But anyway, so thank you very much, Boa. Thank you very much, Stephen. Um, thank you very much, everyone who has uh, joined us live and everyone who does listen to us as the podcast as well. And don't forget, you can support um, New Zealand Sports Radio. Just go to patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio um, to help support us to bring you this absolutely wonderful content. We'll be back on tomorrow evening at 8 p.m. with the, uh, the, probably the standoff show, which is your NRL show, and back on Thursday evening at 8 p.m. previewing all of the Super Rugby games. So hopefully, we should have all of the, well, we'll definitely have the Australian lineups. Hopefully, we'll have the New Zealand ones as well.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.